you have no excuse for not engaging in the work of the Great Commission, no matter where you are. California belongs to Jesus just like any other place on the face of the earth. We need to have faith that we have the victory. It's just a matter of time before California bows the knee to Jesus Christ. And I think every Christian who lives here, born and raised, or who lives here right now, should want and desire as much as I do to participate in that victory. Pastor Paul, this is episode four of our five-part series on leaving California or not leaving California. Mm. So this is the missional consideration, less of a concern that people bring to you, but more of a consideration you present to people thinking about leaving California. So what is the missional consideration for those who want to leave California? Yeah, I think at the outset, I want to remind my brothers and sisters that every Christian is a missionary for Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so what we're really talking about is the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. He's buried. On the third day, he is raised up from the dead. He is ascended into heaven and sits down at the right hand of his Father. But when he sits down, he sits down upon the throne of the universe. In Psalm 2, the Father is speaking to the Son, and he says, This day I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. That's right. So one of the things Dr. Greg Bonson likes to ask in terms of that passage is, do you think Jesus really forgot to ask? That is, Mm -hmm. for the nations. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is we have a great commission because Christ is king over all the nations, Mm. and he sends the church to go out and fulfill that commission to disciple all the nations of the world, to do the baptizing work, and to do the teaching so that the kingdom of God might spread. So you start with orienting people towards their kingdom responsibilities or towards their gospel charge, right? Matthew 28, Jesus says, lo, and I will be with you wherever you go. So California is a mission field, and you don't want people to forget that. California is a place of work for the gospel. Absolutely. And and I guess we could say this, that if we start with the universal kingship of Christ and we acknowledge that all nations belong to him, then we just break it down mm-hmm. geographically. It's not just the nations, but every state that makes up those nations. And not just every state, but every city right. that makes up those states, including the very difficult cities like the ones in California. Maybe one question we could ask is uh, do you think there's a city in California that would intimidate the Apostle Paul? I would say L.A., certainly, right? Or maybe San Francisco with all the debauchery, Mm -hmm. right? There's no way that Paul would encourage us to stay in San Francisco. Right, right. L.A., San Francisco, uh, maybe Sacramento with the politics. But, But there we can move now into a more concrete discussion in terms of the New Testament pattern of church planting and Mm -hmm. missionary endeavors that the Apostle Paul uh, went on. So uh, think about the patterns that begin to emerge. What are some of the major cities that the Apostle Paul either planted churches in or rejoiced to see a church planted in? Mm -hmm. Uh, Think about Ephesus. Ephesus is a major church. Uh, Ephesus was a completely pagan city. It had the Temple of Artemis. Yeah, like a pagan supercenter. Yeah, total pagan supercenter. In fact, in Acts chapter 19, um, the city clerk is talking to the people who gathered there, and he said, we all know that all of Asia and all of the world comes to this city to worship the great goddess Diana of the Ephesians. 
it's, it's totally pagan. And not just pagan, but also filled with black arts, a magic and witchcraft, right? So, so there's LA for you. There's LA for you. There's okay. Hollywood for yep. you, right? Um, you mentioned San Francisco, absolutely, with all of the sexual immorality, but what exactly was the city of Corinth? Right. There's some similarities. Absolutely. Totally a degenerate society, mm-hmm. drunkenness, sexual immorality, temple prostitution. Yep. And this isn't just stuff that stayed nice and neatly on the outside of the church. This is stuff that started to seep into the congregation. First uh, Corinthians chapter 5, where you have the incestuous man. This is a Christian man, a member of the church in Corinth, mm-hmm. who is having uh, an affair with his father's wife. That is his stepmother, right? right? Yeah. Now, how is that even possible? Well, it's because in the missionary work of the church, things are messy. The kingdom of God goes forth and begins to permeate all the kingdoms of men, and mm-hmm. it takes time for the transforming power of the gospel to take effect. Right. But that's the mission. Yep. Right? That's the mission. And then, um, well, just consider Rome. And I want to say Rome, not because Paul planted that church but he was so happy to see that it existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about Romans chapter one, where he says, man, so many times I purpose to come unto you, but have been hindered thus far. He says, but I wanted to come unto you in order that I might bear some fruit among you as I do in other Gentile congregations. Yeah. So Paul wasn't thinking about a quick work. He was thinking about a long-term work in Rome, something that would bear fruit to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also, not just ready, but absolutely eager. He says, as much as in me is. In other words, everything within me wants to go to Rome and support the work that Christ is doing in Rome. Yep. So so we have a, a great first century witness in the New Testament about what the biblical Christian response is to the challenges of society, right? So uh, we made a strong case for Ephesus being similar to uh, L.A., right? We got Corinth, the sexual promiscuity. There's San Francisco for you. Rome, the capital of um, the empire. The empire. There's Sacramento for you. So a lot of the challenges we see today, you would maybe respond and say, well, well, what sin or what um, debaucherous act do we have in any cities here in California that wasn't matched or exceeded in the first century? And what was the response that we saw from the apostle or from the church? What are we commended to do? Right, do absolutely. We no, we don't leave. We, we stand, we fight, we work, we build. I mean, this is what the Apostle Paul is doing. Why? Because we don't just have a job description. It's not like uh, Christ just gave us a mission, but he also gave us a promise. Right. right? I mean, the Word of God is full of promises about the victory of Jesus Christ. Uh, not only do we know uh, that Jesus, uh, when he rose from the dead— received the nations as his inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for his possession, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But we also see that in that psalm, God begins to warn the kings of the earth that if they don't bow down and kiss the sun, he's going to smash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. Uh, So so here's, here's the thing. In the Great Commission, Jesus not only sends us, but says he's going to be with us. Mm -hmm. Psalm 110, if you cross-reference that to 1 Corinthians 15, we see a wonderful promise. Christ is reigning on the throne right now, Mm -hmm. and Scripture says he must continue to reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. 
So you take promises like that and they just strengthen your faith and they give you a perspective that says you can trust that the victory belongs to you in and through Jesus Christ. So it's not just a job description. Hey, go out and try to do this work because that's what you're supposed to be doing. No, we have promises uh, for ultimate victory. Right. And so we see um, that, that vision that sees the promise and sees the victory. What happened in Ephesus? With, with Paul and all the, the, the paganism, Acts chapter 19, where all the people cast their books into the fire. Mm-hmm. Victory. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so, so that's what we should look forward to. Right. Uh, that's the post-mill hope that we bring the gospel to all the nations, and lo, the Lord is with us, mm-hmm. and we look forward to that victory. Amen. Yeah. Because We don't cower. No, not at all. I mean, look, think about when God gives a promise, the whole question is, are you going to cash in on the promise? Right. Or are you going to reject the promise and say, no, thanks, because the work is too hard? Mm -hmm. This is the same thing going back now in something that we discussed in an earlier episode about the Joshua report. Yeah, yeah, The Lord gave them the land of promise. The 10 spies came back with an evil report because there were giants in the land. And Joshua and Caleb came back with the faithful report because they saw it with the eyes of faith. That's right. We need to do the same thing. That's right. And, And we also need to get our minds sort of recalibrated in terms of what this mission actually includes. Mm-hmm. You know, so many of our brothers and sisters just assume that evangelism and the mission of the church is only about saving souls. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like- a very, very narrow perspective on what the kingdom is and what our, what our mission is. Right. So like, uh, you know- it, don't worry about the world and the context and the society and the culture in which you live. And none of that is going to be affected by the work of the church. The only thing we're here to do is save souls so that the kingdom exists between our two ears, right? right? Uh, behind our eyes, right? In our hearts, in our minds. And, and I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the scriptures teach. Uh, the scriptures, when it talks about the reign of Christ, have a very tangible, a very earthy uh, dimension to them, right? Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on the earth. Right. And he encourages us to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, these, these are things we need to recalibrate our thinking. And when we do, then we can begin to establish, I think, some principles for how this would play out in the life of the church. Yeah, so so we have a mission, that's clear. Mm-hmm. We have a promise tied to that mission. Mm-hmm. What are some working principles, as you mentioned, to help us, uh, to, to propel us forward to actually see that victory come to pass? Because as Jonathan Edwards um, oftentimes emphasized, God works through means. Right. And we are those means. The church are the means. Right. Yeah, I think, I think maybe we could uh, give two basic principles. The one kind of, just to summarize some of the things that we've already said so far, uh, number one would be have a backbone. Have a mind to work. You know, in Nehemiah chapter four, you know, here you have the great work of rebuilding Jerusalem and ultimately the temple and the walls of Jerusalem for the protection of the city. And it says, and we reared up the walls of the city, right? right. Like in yeah. this miraculous amount of time. And you wonder how they do it so fast, how they do it so well. And, and why was it successful? The text says, because they had a mind to work. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, one of the principles, how is this stuff going to get done? Like you're saying, through means and through the means of flesh and blood, us, the church. So have a backbone. 
uh, get ready for that uphill battle. Yep. Know that Christ is on our side mm-hmm. and have a mind to work. Right. Uh, the, the, the second one is probably a little more practical in terms of, of um, where we need to be focusing. And I would say that uh, one of the principles we have to remember is that the Great Commission is a recovery of the original dominion mandate. The original creation mandate, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Yeah. That's the creation mandate. In the Great Commission, there's a recovery of that. But now it's guaranteed to be successful because Christ is on the throne. So what that means is it's very creational in nature. And that means what we are recovering and redeeming is every institution of human experience. Mm -hmm. And not just our personal private devotional lives, not just our most intimate relationships, but everything that our hands touch. Right, because so often Christians have this uh, narrow or restricted view of what the kingdom is and where the gospel's to go. We like to stick to our churches. Maybe we'll do a little outreach at a campus or we'll do a little gospel singing on the holidays. But you're saying that the, <laughs> the kingdom goes everywhere, right? And I really like how at your church, at Church of the King Sacramento, at the end of the service, you commission your people to go out mm-hmm. uh, and bring the gospel wherever they go. So you're saying the gospel doesn't just stick to the four corners of church. It goes with you wherever you find yourself, whether that's vocational, uh, in, in the fields of education, politics, uh, sanctification goes with you wherever you find yourself. Exactly. Sanctification is key right there. Yeah. Uh, because all this is, is the principle of progressive sanctification applied to the totality of our lives. Mm, that's a zinger. Right? Yeah. I mean, it is because people uh, just limit sanctification to their moral thinking uh-huh. on a personal, individual sort of um, compartmentalized level, right? And you can't do that. What you need to know is that if you get a bunch of people and you start renewing their mind according to the word of God, uh, that man becomes a different husband and a different father and a different business owner and a different, he makes different decisions in the area of what he listens to, what he watches, how he educates his children, on and on mm-hmm. and on. And uh, think about this uh, statement that Abraham Kuyper said, it, it captures this beautifully. He said, there is not one square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not say mine. That's awesome. It's amazing. And uh, I do want to say something about the liturgy you mentioned. At Church of the King, you're correct. Our liturgy is shaped by the contours of the Great Commission, Mm -hmm. uh, which is basically redemption, but on a mission. Right, so we we come in because we're called to worship. We come in, we confess our sins. We're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ once again. That fresh application of our yeah. baptismal cleansing. Then we're consecrated by His Word. We're instructed in the renewing of our mind in God's Word, and then we commune with the Lord at the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. at His table, right where He nourishes every us every week. Oh, every week yep. we do weekly communion. Yep. You know, He strengthens us. He 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 builds us up. And then he commissions us. And we make a big deal of the commission, but we have the congregation stand and we read the great commission and we say, a congregation, please stand as the Lord commissions us to go back out into the world and serve him with our lives. Mm -hmm. You see? So this is a major feature. And I think it really does trace the contours of redemption as Christ is accomplishing it. Yeah. And I really like how you mentioned earlier, 
uh, sort of the concentric circle model where the font of sanctification starts with the individual, but sure. it doesn't end there. Right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. If you were to take a piece of paper, like I do in all my, you know, this is a model that I basically bring in almost every Bible study, right? Yeah. So you do a model of concentric circles, you draw a circle and then outside of that circle, you draw a bigger one around it and so on and so uh -huh. forth. And the center of that obviously is personal conversion, mm. right? Because we have idols of the heart. So we're talking about Ephesus. You could talk about Athens. Yeah. Athens was a city that was wholly given over to idols. I mean, all of our cities are given over to idols. We are an idol factory. That's right. So every, every home, apart from the transforming power of the gospel, is an idol temple, yeah. right? So it starts with the individual, permeates to the family, to the church, then to all of the different civil institutions of mankind. Cool. So I think that kind of wraps up the missional concern, in a, at least in a nutshell. I'm sure there's so much more that can be said. Um, we're going to also discuss uh, what the doctrine of fleeing is, because we're, what, what we want to emphasize each episode is that it's not the case that there's never a missional concern to leave. There are. There, there are conditions under which we are charged to leave. Yeah. But, but this is a strong consideration that needs to be taken before we just up and go, because oftentimes it's done haphazardly. Yeah. Um, so to summarize it, we have a mission. We have a promise, mm -hmm. and then we have practical means by which we go forth and um, see that victory. Right, right. And I would say, like, if you were going to reduce all of this down to just, you know, give people something to go out the door with, uh -huh. those points wrapped up with these exhortations. Uh -huh. The exhortations would be, number one, uh, you have no excuse for not engaging in the work of the Great Commission, mm -hmm. no matter where you are. California belongs to Jesus just like any other place on the face of the earth. And with the promises you're mentioning, we need to have faith that we have the victory. So the second thing is, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, I'm a post-millennialist. It's, it's just a matter of time before California bows the knee to Jesus Christ. And I think every Christian who lives here, born and raised, or who lives here right now, should want and desire as much as I do to participate in that victory. Not sit on the sidelines. No, don't yeah. sit on the sidelines. Get in the game and get in the work. Amen. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much, Pastor Paul.